Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, add a cuppa, and join me in the sociology staff room. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Katie Tyler, and welcome to the sociology staff room. I've got a guest with us. Uh, hello, how are you? <laughs> hello, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, Brett, hello, how are you, first of all? And just tell us, first of all, we're going to be talking today about the sort of niche of theories and do we teach them, do we not teach them? Um, how do we teach them? So before we explore all of that, um, tell me a little bit about yourself, um, sort of teaching background. Um, so I'm actually uh, ECT1, going into ECT2. I'm a uh, subject lead for sociology and politics, um, which is also known as head of department. Um, wow. <laughs> I, yeah, well, to be honest, having the autonomy has been quite nice um and i was actually uh under allocated in my hours so it didn't feel like so daunting um i've got an undergraduate in politics and um a master's in international political economy which is a fancy long name for politics um and yeah i did a little bit of research so i'm glad we're talking about the marxisms because um i've done academic research in Marxist feminism. So that's like my groove. Um, yeah, that's me. Wow, I feel like before we even talk about Marxisms and all this sort of, I say niche, I suppose it's just the nuances of, of theory. But I, I have, do you know what, ignore my ignorance, and I've been teaching for a long time, I've never heard of ECT1 and ECT2. Is that first year and second year? Sorry, do you mind? Yeah. For, for just my notice, <laughs> really, more than anything. Yeah, so they've replaced um, the NQ, NQT, uh, nearly qualified teacher, mm. to a two-year programme, and now we're called early career teachers. Yeah, I knew about that. I just didn't know the one and the two. What's the difference? Yeah, so between? it's year one and year two. So year oh. one, you get 10% uh, extra time, and then year two, you get 5%, and the whole programme's supposed to be a little bit different of what you do and what you focus on. Yeah. Ah, I didn't, I just thought it was, in my head, I just thought it was just a one year course. I didn't, I didn't know that. So that's something I just learned today. I should know this. I feel like I should know this. <laughs> just a quick one. I know we're not, we are talking about theory, but how are you finding being a subject lead? I know you said you like the autonomy. Again, I'm super, super nosy. And being at ECT, um, just, yeah. How do you find that? That's a bit of a wow. A wow I haven't, thing. Yeah, yeah. I haven't like toppled under the weight of anything. Um, I was juggling a lot of balls at once. I, I was I, I was confident with sociology, politics. Um, you could argue is also a specialism because I've got two degrees in it. But at the same time, I've never done the. I chose um, Edexcel because you got a choice to do global politics, and I was like, well, that's my expertise, so I want to do that. That was a little bit tricky to get to terms with. Um, the different uh, exam technique that they have to, to AQA. Mm -hmm. um, I do it, yeah, yeah, AQA, sociology, you know, I love. Um, so yeah, Edexcel was a little bit, I'm still getting to grips with it. Um, and to be honest, brushing up on a lot of that knowledge um, was difficult. But in terms of just being um, essentially the head of department, it wasn't too bad. You know, there, there are things that I had, had to sort of <clears throat> put my foot down on um, because uh, I don't think I should have been expected to like 
provide year 12 and year 13 schemes of learning, curriculum maps, all these, all, all the admin planning stuff. Mm. I just said, you know, for the first year, I will go at, at my own pace because I'm not technically being paid for the job of, of head of department. Mm. Um, so I said, I'll focus on, you know, doing the lessons, blah, blah, and I'll, I'll get that done. Um, and then in my own time, <laughs> slowly, slowly, I will, I will get there. And they, they, my, yeah, the SLT and the head teacher were, and my line manager were all completely fine with me uh, being like that and saying that because mm. they do. So it hasn't been hasn't been awful, and it's a new sick form as well. I should I should say that it's a new sick form, so class sizes are small. Um, uh. So, yeah, a bit more manageable. So it's just interesting yeah. for if, if there's any ECTs listening to this and just thinking if they're in the sort of the same, I suppose they can sort of mm. message obviously on the Facebook group if, if they've got the same experience as you. But also, I suppose, inspiring that you can do those things. And obviously, like you said, it's got that autonomy as well. As I know we're here to talk about the, the, the challenge of theory. I think theory can, keeps on coming up a lot. We spoke about lots of different theories and talking about... Um, you know, how do we challenge students with theories in the past? But I think we'll just go straight on to talking about um, Marxism um, or the Marxisms. I think we look at sort of the three and maybe if we get time, dare I talk about it? Uh, I know there's been like, do we teach feminology or do we teach ethnomethodology or so on? But Marxisms, um, you know, obviously, we're sociology teachers, we've got a lot of non-specialists as well. I know that you said like Marxist uh, feminism is one of your specialisms. How do you go about teaching? Do you go in straight off and go, right, these are the Marxisms? Or do you just go in with Marxism generally? Or do you teach some of it? Um, yeah, just interested in how you go about it. Selfishly, I'd like well, to know as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, with some of the harder things, like the more niche theories, I try to drop seeds at the beginning um, rather than just going, because because I, I know some teachers go straight into theory, like that's the first topic they do is right here mm. are the theoretical perspectives that we go over in sociology, and then they start education or family. I start with families, and um, <clears throat> it's relatively easy to start thinking of those theoretical links, especially for instance when it comes to Marxist feminism. So I usually start by providing. Um, sort of the extra reading materials um which is both for just feminist literature as well and uh marxist feminist because you know in families and households probably the easiest theory to use is, is feminism um so I'm, I'm dropping seeds there and it's the same in education as well the actual where i do it explicitly is um i do theories and methods um do it at the end of year 12. i didn't manage to finish it this year at the end of year 12 because of disruption and loads of things took hours and hours and hours away for me. So at the moment for my current cohort, it's going to be the bridge between uh, year 12 and year 13. Um, so we're going to get back and actually start um, functions and feminism, Marxism, uh, social action theories, etc. cetera. Um, so you're going to do the theories sort of the bridge between year 12 and 13. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think because they already know uh, symbolic interactionism, um, they've done Beck and Giddens, um, and then obviously they've gone over Marxism, feminism, and functionalism. Um, those seeds are already in their head. They have a lot of, um, I always forget the pedagogical terms that teachers use. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the, the pieces of knowledge are in there. Um, so when we get to like, right, here is it in depth, um, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully it's going to be easier for them. 
yeah yeah well why do you do it that way because i'm not suggesting there's a good way or a bad way what i'm just like i'm just playing devil's advocate really or anything so like rather than sort of i don't know like you said a lot of teachers go with the theory first um yeah. and go in and teach like marxism and feminism and so on then and maybe even some teachers would be interesting if like when we do release this if anyone puts into the the facebook page of how they do it but um why do you do the drip drip effect rather than like okay here are the theories here's marxism neo-marxism classical marxism structuration marxism you know you know talking about um just like classic like um humanistic marxism sorry and scientific how why why would you not do that at the beginning um and why do you do a drip drip effect that way well, and then bring in the at the end of the 12 13 element of it truthfully it's just because that's the way uh i've done it because obviously i you know i don't have wealth of experience but mm. i did train three different schools i was at three different schools when i trained um and it was just going through essentially they all did it similar to how i do it um but going forward because i've got sociology and politics i inadvertently did a bit of a test not not consciously but with politics mm -hmm. i started with the political theory and it didn't go very well you know pedagogically you could say that um it should work well because you're sort of laying the basis of a, of a schema um mm. and when you go forward you can make all these links back um that was actually uh i wouldn't say a disaster but you have to have a high proportion of uh what are they content now? no no i mean like the the, the kids themselves mm. have to be quite intelligent to, to get it quite easily and the reason so so one of the reasons why i start families and households and not education is because i find families and households a better segue into sociology uh the sociological mm. way of thinking etc and because it's obviously in paper two and the you know the grades uh not the grades like the 10 markers um it's a good way to introduce them to exam technique um and i feel like it gets harder as you go on like childhood and demography or family diversity are at the end um, and you start very simply with like couples um so i've just found it sort of naturally through doing it that way and obviously the two opposing subjects having the two opposing ways of doing it i've just found that it's been less taxing on children's minds um to sort of put the seeds in and learn it contextually and then wrap it up um later on yeah mm. and there is no formula is there that's the whole thing and it might there's not a right a right or wrong at all like i think there's lots of ways that people do i mean i know, I know i've heard of some schools doing the year 13 first i think i can't remember like maybe teaching the options paper two first and then wow. teach it uh, you know education i'm trying to think about different ways and people do it i know that people start with um a lot of people do the equivalent which is cultural identity first because mm -hmm. there's a lot of theory in that and that then builds them up with topics like socialization mm -hmm. and stuff that are in that and then they build into the education i know that some schools do um have like spoken to people where they do have a theory lesson like especially if you've got like a one teacher like say if you've got a nine eight split over a fortnight not a nine eight that's a line nine one eight one split over a fortnight so you've got less than nine lessons for argument's sake and that one teacher does theory all the way through so there's lots of different i suppose it all depends on what like your your teacher makeup of your team is and their expertise and i think like you said that's really important that 
that the theory in your head as a teacher and as someone that's maybe taken a degree in sociology or related degree that it makes sense to start with the theory and then go into the context but the kids haven't got that so sometimes they need that I don't know those concrete examples to go in and apply the abstract um obviously looking at and say like sticking with Marxism before we look at structuration do you feel that all the types of Marxism's need to be taught I know that you've like you said yourself you haven't got like you've sort of experienced in this for, for the first couple of years of stuff do you do you feel that like obviously you've mentioned um near Marxism and you've mentioned um Marxist feminisms um how how do you feel about the other the other thing uh, the other Marxism um sort of I'd say personally I think it's good to do it um and it's good for the kids that want to be challenged to be able to have those like theoretical nuances in their in their work and in their in their selves and their opinions and whatnot um and then therefore I think so the school I'm at is all about teach from the top and I'm sure that is like you know a general school thing um so you can't just pick and choose okay you're going to learn the three marxism so i am going to you know teach teach uh the 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 three in the in the in the well at least in the textbook i'm sure they're in the syllabus you know humanist structural and orthodox or what i call orthodox i don't think mm. it actually calls orthodox marxism um but the traditional or what we conceive as marx um because there's a there's a debate in marxism about um uh, what do they call it? Young and old Marx. Have you ever mm. heard of that? Yeah. Um, I've heard a little bit about it. Like his sort yeah. of philosophy changes over time. Yeah. 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 He, he sort of builds into this more what we, what people do think is like economic determinism. Um, and his younger self was more humanist. Um, but then like my tutors at university would say, oh, that's a load of waffle. Um, you just have to like look between the lines or, you know, he's still like sort of humanist because, you know, how do you think the revolution is going to happen? Of course, it's through, you know, working class agency, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think it is important. Uh, and then there's, you know, there's loads of wider reading around that. Um, for example, Lenin wrote a ridiculous amount um, on how to do that exactly. Um, and then, yeah, Althusser, I think for some reason, it might be just because it's, um, <clears throat> what's the term? It's not an acronym, abbreviated. Um, repressive state apparatus and ideological state apparatus. Every, kids kids know that for some reason. Every cohort that I've been in, they get it. They get it really well and they remember it and it just makes sense. I don't, I don't know why yet. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, I, I found the same in my whole, which I thought they would find quite abstract, particularly the ideological separators. I thought they might find, whereas oppressive, I thought they might get that a bit more because it's, again, but yeah, they seem to get that. And the concept of relative autonomy and false consciousness, they seem to get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then I think when I think back to myself as a student, I got that as well quite quickly. So that might be why. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think kids, see, that's the thing as well that I don't know if like pedagogically it's sound, but I do think when it comes to like humanist Marxism, for example, um, kids do get a little bit scared with it because of like, well, this head, I call it hegemony. Some people call it hegemony, which sounds horrible to me, but hegemony, they, they find it quite difficult to understand. Um, I haven't come across any problems with them understanding the consent and coercion, because I think I can explain that quite well. And I think most people can um, because we all, have 
for example, economic compulsions. We are we are um, we have impulses and we are compelled to do things without a gun pointing to our head um, that we can blame on capitalism. So, yeah, they 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 have a better time with that. Um, and there's a lot of um, uh, you could say synoptic between. I guess if the school does philosophy and ethics, or if someone did GCC in philosophy or religious studies, the um, argument between structural Marxism and humanist Marxism on uh, free will, that's a quite a good introduction. And there's a lot of, uh, well, one of the new atheists, a guy called Sam Harris, wrote a book on free will, um, which some, because I know like Jordan Peterson's becoming quite big and that sort of vein, I think even Richard Dawkins ha- is having like a, a comeback in the media. Um, so that could be something to segue into uh, Marxism. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those things. I think, like you said, it's, it's when, how you introduce it. And I think it's been consistent. I feel like I just, I find what I, I tend to do. And I know, again, I think I make sure they understand what Marxism is first. Cause obviously there's, I think even sort of from, from the early stages in year 12, I find that some students, particularly when they look at education, if they're not, if they're the sort of struggling with that concept, they could easily confuse Marxism and functionalism because they talk about the same stuff, but obviously from different angles. Yeah. So I think even before I start bringing in neo-Marxism, humanistic Marxism, I just need to know that they're very different from functionalism from the first front. Um, but then once they've grasped that, I then go, there are nuances, they're Marxisms, and we will explore them as I, like, I do a bit like you do. I do a drip drip effect. So making sure that they're aware of them but don't make a sort of a full in-depth lesson until they've got like you said those sort of examples in their head and i do introduce like uh marxist feminism neo-marxism and Mm. sort of so it's what you refer to as your orthodox or your classical marxism as an Mm. idea Uh, and then when i do the theory bit like and i do it funny enough the same time as you um i'm not saying it's the right way i do do it at that time i then bring in the the theories we spend like ages on each of those theories again but marxisms and then i go into like structure versus action and um and talk about that in a bit more detail but i find that that they've got that wealth of knowledge that they can apply it to but i don't go to oh by the way everything you've learned about marxism isn't true i just go oh there are nuances within that and mention a few of them but not all of the complexities because i think at that stage in year 12 those students are just getting their head around like the multiple of theories uh, i'm sure that other teachers might do it differently and i don't think there's a wrong way i'm just that's and i'd love to hear from teachers that do it differently and that would love to hear from teachers that start off their first part of their course and go into all the marxisms um and go into you know the depth of the variety of um debates i try and keep them quite sort of quite clear cut at that point but I'm sure that people do it differently um structuration and we've talked about that a little bit um how do you go about teaching the structure action debate when when I'm going over social action theories um I think it's only then that that I speak about like the structure versus agency debate the seeds in um earlier on especially when going over things like functionalism and Marxism um just to sort of like evaluate the whole determinism of the two um but yeah i don't think structuration is like you would spend as much time as it on even say um phenomenology to be honest or ethnomethodology or uh was it the dramaturgical dramaturgical model um those are things that are you know they might do all three in one lesson um 
but yeah, it's just not something that's really come up. And, and maybe that is because it isn't something that maybe it's undervalued. Um, I'm unsure, but um, I think again, I think it's like you said. It's it, we we talk about teaching to the top and adaptive learning. And that's the thing in education at the moment. And you don't say to students, right? I'm only going to teach you structure and action, and you guys are teach structuration. Yeah, yeah. But I also think it's knowing your cohort of students, and if some of those students are really finding it hard to get their heads around structure versus action then you don't want to keep on it's it's knowing your class i think that's what it comes mm -hmm. down to and if they're not crossing the, that debate then you it's like building up um then you might allude to structure it and actually yeah, to those yeah. students but obviously that's the core thing is they know those debates as well and i don't i don't i do think there's certain topics i think i've spoken this before i think there's certain topics that lend themselves better to certain debates so for example i know that for example, my own experience, cultural identity really helps you get into that structure versus an action debate quite early on. Um, and and I think, you know, I think it's that like drip drip effect that you've mentioned earlier um, and making sure that that's tall. I know, like, again, going back to my last thing I want to talk about, which is feminology and ethnomethodology, I did notice, and it's not like I'm sort of a weird voyeur of the, the Facebook chat, but uh, there were sort of messages on, on the chat around um just before exam times like have we talked this you know we've got two two weeks to go do we teach do we not i think you just mentioned you sort of do it in a couple of lessons in in do you do that as part of theory and methods or how do you go about teaching those debates yeah so that that's in theory and methods and again it was a i can't ex it's, it's frustrating because i can't i can't recall exactly my see this is again my uh my first year experience, one of the things, because I, I brought up phenomenology and ethnomethodology in families and households. Well, not in families and households, but I was, that's where I was in the scheme of learning. I did a lesson on social facts, but I, unfortunately I can't remember why I, I chose to do it there, but um, the, the, the easiest introduction to it was through the, um, I can't remember the, the sociologist names, but it's the study on is the evaluations on Durkheim's suicide study. Mm -hmm. And um, social constructions is one of the first big concepts that um, we have in sociology, I think, especially in families and households. Um, so phenomenology is all about pretty much everything in society is a construction of our mind. Um, and they, they, you know, they might, well, I always say, just imagine that you know these phenomenologists or even you know postmodernists they're essentially sociologists that you know that a hippie right and they've been you know on the fields and they're all a bit oh wow. you know maybe they're tripping on acid or something you have to think about it like that right everything around us nothing is objective this is a table is because i think it's a table um so and then you attach that to uh to Durkheim's, you know, and they, they, they understood it. Like, how do you know? I think it was about the coroner deciding whether something is a death or a suicide. Um, that was, uh, I think they, some of them struggled with it for a bit. Um, but they, 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 they yeah, they, they, they did get it. Um, and then, yeah, ethnomethodology is, um, to my understanding, it's, it's like a, it's a strand of phenomenology, um, like the child of it, um, just looking at how we construct um, reality uh, in our everyday lives. 
and um, I don't teach beliefs, but so the biggest piece of advice I would give um, teachers really is to read. (laughs) And I know a lot of teachers struggle to find time with that, but um, I read a lot and it's very helpful um, because I always feel like I'm 10, you know, I don't mean not, I don't mean to, but I'm 10 steps ahead of the kids in terms of the theory. And through teaching, for example, families and households, I went back to a lot of the feminist literature that I read at university. Um, And I think that's generally how it goes. When I was doing education, I started looking at stuff on academies. So if I was doing beliefs, um, the one thing, there's a lot of uh, conversation around because obviously one of the big things right now is the the rise of Islam. Um, and one of the biggest, I guess, intellectual hurdles with Islam and the West is language, um, because Arabic is such a complex language um, compared to English, especially when, it, when it's translated and transliterated. There's a lot can be lost in language. Um, and we cannot maybe understand certain things because of our limited language, or at least the translations. Um, and that is a big thing that uh, ethnomethodologists or ethnomethodology looks at, is how language constructs our social reality. And um, Noam Chomsky and Slavoj Žižek, which are two quite prominent uh, theorists, I don't know what they're called, um, they talk a lot about language. Um, and so, you know, Slavoj Žižek is quite a, a bumbling character and people, you know, like to listen to him. And Noam Chomsky is just, I think a lot of people interested in politics and sociology and philosophy have read at least one Noam Chomsky book. Um, so I think challenging students with that, or even just yourself as a teacher, I think is, is always helpful. And I, yeah, I don't think... Mm. To sum up this little segue, I don't think phenomenology or ethnomethodology is anything to be scared of. They're just big, big words. They're horrible words that no one knows how to spell or sometimes <laughs> even say, but it's fine. Um, I think you just have to, yeah, you just have to be a couple of steps ahead of the of the kids and generally. Yeah. And I think like you said, I think that you, well, sort of a thread that's come all the way through is... I think with the thing with sociology, as, as teachers, like, I think it's great that you are an ECT talking because I think there's going to be lots of ECTs that are going to be listening to this and thinking, right, well, this is my experience from someone that's my second year of my ECT, is thinking, actually, it's not something you teach once. Like like you said, you said about um, when you talk uh, social facts, it's sometimes naturally there's points in the, especially if you're a listener now and you're listening to this and this is your first year of teaching, there will be natural points. You might do a scheme of work, but there'll be natural points that may come earlier or later than when you plan to say, look at social facts. Do you think, actually, this is a really nice time to mention this. So like, for example, you talked about family. I might introduce it when I'm looking at, um, I don't know, statistics in education for argument's sake um it might be a natural time to bring that in and that might be something i haven't planned for and i think that's the case with sociology if it feels like the students are getting it and you're gauging Mm. their learning through assessment then actually it might be an idea to drop it in then then obviously you teach it properly when you've planned to teach it and then of course with sociology i think it's revisited again and again and again and again um and i think that's something if, if you're listening to this and you're a teacher new to teaching, you're in your first year or you're going to go into your first year of teaching, don't be scared that the students didn't get it the first time round uh, because there's going to be lots of 
learning opportunities for that throughout the year because once like you said you've dripped drip, 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 drip effect it how many drips i don't know i don't know how many drips i've said that but they're going to revisit it again and again and again and weirdly i think one of the benefits of sociology is everything is revisited so it just it's not like you're learning something new and then you're learning something new again you learn something new again and you've just got lots of stuff to remember it's building on the last stuff and the last stuff and the last stuff so i think that's something comforting i think there isn't a perfect way and i know i mean i'm 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 a teacher to talk for more years than I'd like to say. And I don't think I teach the scheme of work the same time every year. And I yeah. still revamp my resources each year. And every year I feel like a new teacher um, because each student's coming with a different like um, life course themselves. So like if I've got a mixture of politics students and RS students and some geographers, their knowledge base will be very different to say if I, for example, have some math students some science students I'm trying to think of another subject like that you know an economic student and so they've their sort of melting pot of their own experiences and um their own life will bring something different to to the lessons as well um, and also what's going on in the world i think sometimes that happens doesn't it as well like you said like you don't know why you brought that up that i think you were talking about social facts i don't know why you brought that up at that time but there might be something going on in the news that then lended itself to that discussion at that time um next year's gonna be interesting as well isn't it um from a politics point of view yeah <laughs> so again we can't avoid that and there'll be points and when it might be apt to refer to certain theories um because they're having lively debate at that time or there's certain things that could happen that we could nicely chew into our lessons so um mm. it's nice to unpick these ideas and i think you know i think some people i think the word you mentioned was frightened um and i think some some of us do get frightened particularly i think i know i do it i think i you know sort of around march april time i go back over the skin work for the hundredth time I've, I've known and this is my this is full like i don't know, confession here i've I've gone to bed and I'm not recommending this for anyone because I, I want life work life balance is so important. But I get this panic and I think, oh no, I'm gonna go and just check skin work at one o'clock in the morning just to, just to double check that I have taught anything. I don't know why I do it because I just know mm. I just think it's anything. I think, oh, if I don't check it, then I won't be able to get sleep because I'll be thinking, have I have I not? Is everything covered? And I think, like you said, um, you know, I think it's something we all we all do. We uh, we have these worries about certain things and that's that's healthy. But obviously, you don't want it to like. <laughs> you know have an impact on your personal life as well but um yeah reading is important for sure so yeah definitely, yeah. definitely. actually i'm reading presentation of uh everyday self that's my sort of summer read um i bought that cheap off of a secondhand website so yeah i've set that as a reading challenge for my students so i hope i hope i'm not the only one reading <laughs> yeah i hope they've read it as well so yeah it's, it's yeah, that's because sure. um, so, I just read a book. Uh, what's it called? Uh, the Bible, Quran, and Modern Science, and it's a really interesting book. And it's one I've seen. I've seen it on the the sociology chat um, that some people are like ditching beliefs in society because they don't find it as maybe kids don't like it or they don't think it's as relevant and. I'm going to be doing, I've taught beliefs and sight in a previous school. I'm going to be doing global development. And I think that's always going to be uh, relevant, but I, I defended beliefs on the chat and I was just like, no, like around the world right now, religion is like becoming an, an increasingly important uh, thing. And sometimes I wish that I could teach beliefs next year, but yeah, that, that, that was a really interesting book. Um, 
yeah it's definitely keeping our passion for for sociology alive for sure um it's really really important so i'm gonna i'm gonna let you go but thank you for your time i appreciate that and it's good to sort of have those discussions those debates i'd love to hear when people do get around to listening to this what they're doing and how they teach the theories um because there isn't one way there's lots of different ways um and i'd love to hear you know people's views so uh once you listen to it do do write on the facebook page or, or get in touch it'd be lovely to find out uh, thank you and enjoy the rest of your day and um thank you <laughs> appreciate it thank you you take care bye-bye bye-bye the sociology stuff room is brought to you by tutor to you sociology find us at tutor to you.net forward slash sociology or follow us on twitter at tutor to you sock or instagram at tutor to you sock you can also join our very lively facebook groups for sociology teachers see you soon